thank him for what he has done in our lives through my father and his willingness to be used up for God's glory. I'm grateful, uh, so grateful for you to be here. We had so many people that have been uh, contacting us, and if I haven't called you back, please forgive me. Uh, we just haven't been able to get everyone uh, called back, but we are just so thankful that you're able to be here with us and also um, for uh, Sermon Audio. Brother Steve, thank you for putting this online and live streaming it for people on SermonAudio.com. And I also want to say this to, to, as well for Sermon Audio. I'm grateful to them uh, for keeping my father's words alive. Hmm. Uh, it is a beautiful thing to pick that up and push a button and hear his voice. And sometimes I pushed it and didn't want to hear it. But, but I'm, I'm, uh, I have done that over the years. But there, it's just a very sweet, sweet experience to continue to hear his voice. And I'm just abundantly grateful for that. My father was born as a hillbilly boy in the mountains of West Virginia to a coal miner who was a rascal who lived for himself but one day God gloriously saved him and it happened because my father surrendered himself after he became one of God's children and he went nightly and prayed for his parents so many times that God would draw them to the Lord and it was the sweetest thing whenever his parents came at a late time in their life to Christ my dad had three brothers who are Woody and Stump. Can you imagine that? Woody and Stump, uh, who are with the, uh, there, have gone on. And then uh, there's his other brother, Jim, uh, who would have liked to have been here today, but his health prevented him from being here. Um, dad gave his life for people. And what we are here today to focus on is the impact of one, when they're surrendered to Christ. The impact of one, being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. The impact of one, walking in surrendered obedience. And that is what I learned from him in many ways. And I think if we recognized everyone in this room that he has specifically touched you in some form or fashion, everyone would have something to say and probably some story to share. And then I would also say, I would recognize everyone else here that probably would also say that I called him Pop, or I called him Dad, or I called your parents Mom and Dad, or Grammy, or Papa, and, you know, our extended family. Um, I have run into brothers and sisters all over the globe. And, you know, as a young child, I resented that. I resented that my father was always gone in for other people. But today I'm rejoicing. I'm really rejoicing to see the impact of his willingness to be so used up and uh, for how God used him in, in a powerful way and how he strengthened our family. And I must say that over the years, I will tell you, I'm just supposed to give a couple opening remarks, and it is hard because if you all know my father, he was bigger than life, and uh, whenever Dad came in a room, everybody knew it. And uh, uh, it's, uh, he's a powerful figure uh, to uh, try to represent today. 
the thing that I love about him, just a few months ago, he said to me, Now, son, we need to talk again about my home going. Well, we've talked several times, y'all can only imagine. But uh, he said, We need to talk in, about this. And he said, Now, I'm just simply rot. I'm just simply rot. And he said, God's finally whittled me down to just be simply rot. And he said, And I want to be simply rod. For God's glory. I learned from my father so much. And uh, I think the part that has become so special to me has probably been the last 10 or 15 years and how we have grown together in our love for the Lord and how much he has been able to share with us. And I'm just immensely grateful. I'm thankful that the Lord gave us this time. And I'm thankful for how he orchestrated it to be. Our family is immensely thankful as well for everyone that is here, for those that are watching online. And we were so happy to be able to get that because we were afraid we weren't going to be able to contain everyone. And um, so we're very thankful for that. But we, as a family, just want to express our appreciation back to you for your prayers, your love, your concern the cards, the gifts, uh, just different ways that you have shown your love and appreciation. And so, uh, as I said, whenever we started, we're not here to magnify a man. We're here to magnify the Lord. And that's what this service is going to be about. So let me just mention, just uh, briefly, we have Dr. John Monroe, who is going to be speaking. John was uh, one of uh, my dad's last young men that he purposed to mentor one of them and uh, was so sweet to have him involved in our ministry in Tabernacle and then he was my dad's last pastor and uh, we are just very grateful that you're able to be here with us John you are dear to our family and I'm uh, again thankful that you were able to to come Dr. Johnny Daniels Johnny Daniels is another part of our family, and he's another hillbilly. And uh, um, hillbillies know hillbilly language, and I'm sure that every one of them will probably have something that they want to share with you about Dad, uh, and you'll end up laughing and we'll end up crying, but it's going to be a good time together. But Johnny Daniels and Dad have shared many excursions through the West Indies and places that I have never been and may not ever get to be, but they have dedicated little hut churches to the Lord and, and been able to minister to so many people abroad. And uh, Dad, like I said, there's just thousands upon thousands of people that he was able to minister to as God opened up doors of opportunity. And the Lord used Brother Johnny in many ways to help that happen and come to fruition. Uh, Dr. John Vaughn is the uh, uh, president of the Fundamental Baptist Fellowship International and uh, or has been and is a real blessing as well to our family and he has been there my dad uh, and brother Vaughn have known each other for many many years and the joy uh, our just being able to get in on some of the talks uh, was always fun for me but the joy was again to see how my dad purposed to give of himself to Dr. Vaughn and to each of these men it's it's just been, my dad was always a servant leader and a giver. And anyone into this room would probably, you're here because you can attest to that. Um, and I'm, I, 
I will use the word grateful because there's no other, I cannot express, there's not an adjective that I can use that appropriately expresses my appreciation. Dr. Bob, you are dear to our family. And uh, we have we have been together through a lot of different things, and uh, I'm immensely grateful to Dr. Bob, to Mrs. Beneth Jones. It's good to see you. Hey, Susan. And uh, it, just a tremendous blessing that this family has been to us uh, on a personal basis, and the joy has been ours to share in some home goings and. Uh, we we uh, heaven is getting sweeter, isn't it? And uh, if you were able to see any of the service, the pre part, we had Dad preaching, and Dr. Paisley was also uh, up there leading some music, and it was really good. If you missed out on that, you can uh, also see that. I believe that's on sermon audio. But sweet days, and uh, we just want to acknowledge these people and how dad had the joy of serving together with them but most of all we want our focus to be on the Lord Jesus Christ none of this would be possible today if it was not for the Lord working in the life of the hillbilly and because of another well actually Bill Tate a Bob Jones student that knocked on the door of my parents home and my dad was cornered on a wet wax floor if you've ever heard the story in 1957 on the corner of a newly waxed floor can you hear him? And uh, he was stuck over there, and, and he couldn't get out the back door. And Bill Tate said, well, I think I see a clear spot. And uh, Bill Tate went over there and sat down with my dad and shared the gospel with him. And he was gloriously saved. And from that point on, things were different in his life. My dad answered the call to preach. They had a new home, and he had ordered a new car. And the significance of the 57 Chevy out there is that's what he had ordered was a 57 Chevy. And it was delivered right after he had answered the call to preach. And Dad had him send it back. And he said, I'm going to Greenville. And Dad didn't know anything about Bob Jones. He didn't know, but he just knew that's where he was supposed to go. And whenever Dad went to Bob Jones University, they loaded up everything they had. And I mean the Beverly Hillbillies didn't stack a car as well as they did. They had, you know, that's whenever cars had fenders. And they put potatoes on the fenders. They put a cart on top of that thing. They loaded everything that they had. And they moved to Greenville. And didn't even, he didn't even apply. He just went in there. And, uh, and uh, they, you know, can you imagine? <laughs> But that's how he showed up to Greenville and everything was wrapped around that car and didn't know what they were doing. But my dad believed that you could take steps of faith and he believed that you could take that step of faith and God would meet you there. And that was the importance of taking the step of faith. If you've ever wondered why you haven't grown in your Christian life, take the next step, folks, in faith believing. God will do it. He'll do the work. And that's what he did. He stepped out by faith. They wrapped everything onto that car, went to Greenville, and then he found out he couldn't get into school and he didn't know how he was going to do it. And, but do you know something? There was a man there by the name of Bob Jones Sr. that put his arm around my daddy. And he said, Son, what are you wanting to do? And he said, All I know is that I have a calling on my life to preach. And I've got to preach. And I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And Dr. Bob Sr. said, well, that's good enough for me. 
and they accepted him. And that is where it began. And tomorrow, that's where we'll bury him. So we praise the Lord for his wonderful works. And we praise him for how God can work in one person and through him if we'll just but walk in surrendered obedience. All right. John. Do we do the offering now or we do it later? <laughs> so glad that each one of you are here. Um, my father, for some reason or another, enjoyed when I would write things. And um, he asked me to write him a poem. Uh, but they didn't tell me until just the other day. And I was laying in bed the other night began to think about who he was and he was just a mountain man that loved the Lord a tribute to the mountain man back in a holler created by God's own hand a little baby was born that would become a mountain man his surroundings he lived in were extremely dire but God had plans for him that was so much higher On January 19th 1957, he began a walk with his Savior that would take him straight to heaven. He preached in every state in this great nation, proclaiming the glorious gospel of salvation. He preached in foreign countries that have never heard the hope of eternal salvation from God's blessed word. He shared this free gift with every breath, asking, Do you know my Jesus? Until the time of his death. He invested his life in the hearts of many people, showing that the body of Christ was not just pews, stained glass windows, or a steeple. We honor this mountain man today. For if you ask him, he would always say, I'm just a crooked old stick, trying to, drive, trying to draw a straight line. And that line would point all to mankind to the blessed cross of Christ, on Calvary's hill. And in his death, he is still preaching still the great story. We'll go rest, mountain man. Faithful servant you have been. Until that day when we'll meet again. Well, it's a real honor and uh, really humbled to be a part of this service today. It wasn't something that, um, that I expected at all, uh, but when Rod Jr. Uh, called and mentioned to me that, uh, that his dad had expressed the desire for me to be a part of this today, I uh, was really honored by that desire. And uh, as I was thinking about the opportunity that I had, you know, we opened up this service uh, singing Come and Dine, and, uh, you know, I'll never forget uh, the several years I had at Tabernacle Baptist Church when I first came there, and really I came there uh, through my relationship with Rod Jr., and I uh, was going to Bob Jones at that time and had actually applied there for um, continuing education, and then after applying there, uh, decided that I didn't want to 
maybe stay there, but wanted to get involved in a local church while I was continuing my education. And Rod Jr. had heard, we'd had that conversation. And so he called his dad, and at that time they were trying to start a seminary there at Tabernacle and uh, a pilot program for a doctorate degree. And uh, we began our conversations, and so we started talking. And and, uh, he said, boy, I would love for you to to come and be a part of this pilot program, this doctorate program. And so, long story short, the Lord led us there, and we spent the the next four years of our uh, preparation time and then ministry time as well. And uh, while I was there, uh, really grew as... uh, in terms of preparing for ministry, but also a group, I think, spiritually, uh, under uh, Pastor Bell and the ministry there. And I'll never forget this this song, Come and Dine, because every now and then, I don't know, he'd get a burn in his saddle or something, and uh, he would just want to break out and sing, you know, in a service. It might be at the beginning, it might be in the middle of a message, it might be at the end, and I'll never forget him asking, how many of you want me to sing Come and Dine? <laughs> And uh, people would raise their hand, and he'd say, how many of you pay me not to sing? And uh, as many would raise their hand on that, too. <laughs> but, but that was my memory of this song, Come and Dine. But as I think about Pastor Bell, and uh, that's uh, who he was to me, Pastor Bell. A uh, few verses that came to my mind in just First Timothy chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior... And Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, and then you find these words in verse 2, unto Timothy. My own son in faith. And that was my relationship to Pastor Bill. That was a relationship that he initiated with me. Uh, He literally took me under his wing for the four years that I was there. And I really didn't know what was happening while it was happening. You know, uh, I'll never forget while a student at Bob Jones, I don't know if Rod Jr. remembers this, but it was during Bible conference. And uh, during Bible conference, you know, as a preacher boy, they'd have all these big, you know, big preachers coming in. And Pastor Bell was always one of the, you know, I always thought, wow, you know, this is one of those those big guys. I don't mean just physically big, you know, but I mean caliber. He was a high caliber preacher and Dr. Paisley would come in and preach and, and I'd always as a preacher boy just kind of view him from a distance and think they were bigger than life. And uh, I'll never forget Rod Jr. picked me up, I think it was before uh, an evening service and uh, he was a town student. We went out to eat. We were coming back on campus for the service that night and uh, he said, come on. And we were going somewhere other than the amphitorium there in the university. And I said, Roger, where are we going? He said, we're going up to pray. And I said, going up to pray? He said, yeah, we're going up to pray. I said, who are we praying with? I don't know if you remember this, but it was... And we walked in the room, and here I was, you know, I don't remember if I was a maybe a sophomore, junior preacher boy, Bob Jones. And uh, these bigger-than-life preachers are there. And I walk in the room, and there's Dr. Paisley and Dr. Bell... And I don't remember who else uh, was in that room. And we just started praying. And Dr. Bell, I think, started us out. And then, I don't know if you ever heard Dr. Paisley pray. uh, But, you know, you're just kind of looking around, (laughs) wondering what's going to happen here. 
with, uh, with him praying, and then Rod Jr. prayed, and then there was this, this kind of lull in the time, and the lull in the time was me. Uh, and I remember Rod Jr. kind of nudging me, you got to pray, and I didn't want to pray. <laughs> I didn't want to pray in the presence of those guys. And uh, I felt about that big in that prayer meeting. But um, the thing I, I remember about Pastor Bell is this. This was a man who, from my perspective, uh, had the influence of leadership with the masses. In fact, a whole, a whole movement of fundamentalism. But this was also a man who took time for the individual. For the individual. And I was one of those individuals. And uh, during my time at Tabernacle, I had the privilege of serving there in a lot of different ways. A staff evangelist, he let me do that uh, a little bit for the uh, Bible College and Seminary. Served as a youth pastor. He allowed me the opportunity to do that. And then, uh, because he was the president of the FBF at that time, uh, I had a lot of preaching opportunities while he was gone. And uh, that was uh, you know, a nerve-wracking thing to fill the pulpit for you know, Dr. Rod Bell. And, uh, but what a wonderful opportunity that was. And I look back on those times, and I was telling the, the men as we were driving up, I said, you know, he probably gave me a lot more trust than he probably should have as a young man. But he entrusted me with some great opportunities to serve alongside of him. And uh, it seems like every time that um, I would come to, into town or whatever, he'd always want uh, a phone conversation to talk to him. And uh, then when I followed Dr. Vaughn there at Faith Baptist in um, Taylor's, uh, I didn't know it, or at least maybe I'd forgotten it, but Pastor Bell was a member there uh, at Faith at that time. And I don't know how how it worked, but it seemed like as soon as I came to be the pastor, he left. Uh, he really did. <laughs> he, he got out of there. And uh, he came here to, uh, to be with Rod Jr. But um, God has given just a wonderful opportunity to me to have that kind of relationship. And I think it's a, it's a different kind of relationship than any of these men on this stage. The relationship of a mentor to a mentee of a man seasoned in the ministry uh, to what I would deem to be a son in the faith. And, um, you know, I, I know he had a lot on his plate. Always. Always busy. Always busy. But uh, always took the time to have those conversations and spend that time with me personally. And I deeply appreciate it. And as I look back on it, uh, there was a lot more there than even I could have imagined while it was happening. And now, 20-some years in the ministry myself, I can see the impact that he had on my own life, and I want to be that kind of man uh, that uses his life the way Pastor Bell used his to impact uh, not a movement, but more so the individual and to be used to the Lord in that way. And so, I love Pastor Bell. He was my pastor uh, for many years and took me under his wing and I am indebted to him for that and I just uh, look at that as him passing the baton and all I could ever hope to do is to take that baton 
pass it to somebody else and to have that privilege and that opportunity. Thank you for allowing me this off. Uh, at this time, we have a special clip because uh, if you have heard the little dinging of the bell, uh, Dad's just wanting to remind us that he wanted to sing. So, y'all go ahead. children will play and our hearts will be gay as we stroll through the city of gold. There'll be no dying there, no more burdens to bear, and nobody will grow feeble. turn back to this world anymore. No matter how rough may be the way, no matter how oft I stop to pray, I'm bound for that city on the evergreen shore. All right, let me get it down here. Okay, all right. Coming down, all right. Coming down. You ready? All right. Jesus had the table spread where the saints got our bed. He is kind to With his manna, he does feed and supplies ever need. Always sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. Come and dine, the master's calling. Come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turn the water into wine. To the hungry call us now, come and dine. Soon the Lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. All the hosts of heaven will assemble thee. Oh, it will be a glorious sight. All the saints in spotless white, and with Jesus they will feast eternally. Heaven now, come and dine, Master Collins, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table. Come on! He is fed the multitude, turn the water into one. To the hungry Collins now, come and dine. <clears throat> Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. To pray with all your power, while we try to preach the word. All is vain, let the Spirit. Of the Holy One come down. 
sing them to the same tune and anything else that I sing I try to sing it to the same tune if I don't know the tune I'll make it up as I go that. What a blessing it was to, to know Dr. Bell and share some things about him. I want to read a verse to you out of Acts chapter 20, verse 24, and make a little personal application if I could with it. I think there's many, many scriptures and stories that we could read and make applications about Dr. Bell with them. Paul writing to this church, and he says to them, None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I think we can say Dr. Bell not only finished his course with joy, but had a lot of fun doing it. 
I asked my wife, and of course, to be honest with you, I, I, I just, I'm just honored and privileged to be here, and that God let our paths cross some years ago. Because Rod Jr. said, share some stories, and where do you start? How do you pick out one? I mean, I've seen him after he leaves the restaurant, you know, go back up to the cashier and said, I just use one side of this toothpick. You want me to put it back so I can use the other side? <laughs> you name it, he did it. But I'll never forget when he wanted to come to the West Indies, and I tried to prepare him. I said, now, Rod, it's different there than it is here. And every island, he had an experience. But when we got to Dominica, I forgot Dr. Vod was with us. We got to Dominica and was with the Challengers, and they don't have, uh, well, they have running water. You've got to run and get it. But, but they have a cistern. Of course, when you get rain, you catch it. And so I told Rod, I said, now, Rod, look, water's scarce. So I said, you'll have to take a bath, just get wet, rinse off, and... and uh, you know, because there was, I don't know how many of those guys were, and of course I knew they had little water, and before they had to go get it, it was a long way to carry it. So I helped him get up. I, don't ask me why. They built the shower up like that. Remember, he had to get a ladder to get up in it. Of course, there's a cistern un underneath it. So I give him his water and go back, and so, Johnny, come here a minute. So I go in there. So, what do you need, Dr. Bell? I run out of water. <laughs> I said, Well, dry off. He said, yeah, but my hair is full of soap, and i got to get the water out of it. I said, all right, Dr. Bell. So I went and got some more water, come back in, put it in the bucket, and, and went back in the room and directed, Brother Johnny. I said, what's now, Brother Bell? He said, you ain't going to believe this. I said, yeah, I will. Go ahead and tell me. He said, well, I got that bucket of water, and I was going to rinse the hair off my head, and I missed my whole body. I need another bucket. <laughs> Oh, I could tell you some other things. <laughs> oh, me. But what a privilege it was to God allowed my path to cross with Dr. Bell in the early 90s. I thank the Lord for that. I, uh, I want to thank Mrs. Bell for sharing her husband with so many of us. I told her that a few moments ago when we came in. I said, Lenore, thank you. Uh, for sharing Rod with us. And she said this. She said, uh, when I accepted that was God's will for my life, I was okay with it. Thank you, Miss Bell. I want to thank his children also for sharing their dad with so many of us around the world. Your sacrifice... And I know it was a sacrifice. Has not and will not go unrewarded because uh, Dr. Bell touched thousands, if not millions, of lives. My wife and I went to the West Indies in 1974 as missionaries. The first 25 years, we didn't know a lot of preachers. We left from little church in Georgia and went, and really the first 25 years we stayed basically there. We didn't know a whole lot of preachers. But in 1990, in the early 90s, Dr. Bob, our paths crossed, and he, he began to talk to me and, about his burden for the West Indies. And uh, 
through these last few years, God has allowed us to meet. And it's always been amazing to me how God would place people in your life at a time that He chose. It's always been amazing, and it shouldn't be, because He knows what He wants to do with each one of our lives and how He brings people into our lives to influence us, help us, encourage us. In the last 25 years, or the last 20 years, rather, we've had the privilege of meeting a lot of, as I would, Dr. Monroe was talking about, men that you, and God uses men on the international stage, and and I know sometimes we may think they're not made out of the same stuff we are, but when you get to know them, they're made out of the same stuff we are. That's one thing about Dr. Bell. He was a friend, and you could always enjoy and be in yourself around him. But he shared with me his burden for the West Indies and how that he had actually prayed that God would, about sending him there. And... Uh, but he said this to me. He said, Johnny, I've always had a burden for the West Indies. I really thought God was going to allow me to come here as a missionary. But he said he didn't. And how can I help you do what God has called you to do? He didn't just say that. He meant it. And Dr. Bell became a great encourager and a partner not only in the ministry there in Puerto Rico, but he used his influence as president of the FBFI. We begin to have these conferences in the Caribbean. Now they've been going on for over 20-some-odd years. But he, he helped raise the money to help past national pastors to come in. We took him down through the islands, and I'll never forget, it was in Grenada. And uh, <laughs> I told him, I said, no, Rob, we have to stay with the nationals. And... And uh, so uh, he he slept. He was with Brother Dennis Celestine, and he came to him, and he said, uh, look, he said, uh, I don't know what's going on. He said, he's got an alarm. Keeps going off in that, in that bedroom they give him. Brother Celestine had given him uh, their room to sleep in. And uh, he said, I don't know what it is. He said, keeps waking me up. I said, well, ask him. Maybe he couldn't turn it off. So we went in and... He said, Brother Dennis, he said, every, about every 30, 40 minutes I hear this noise. And he said, you got an alarm and I can turn it. keeps waking me up. He said, Dr. Bell, that's the beetles in the woods eating it. That ain't my alarm. <laughs> but he got a burden for the nut pastors. And so he uh, began to use his influence to bring down preachers. I met Pastor Strange, Dr. Vaughn, and on and on and other men and he would raise the money for the conference to help these national pastors come in and then raise money would feed them for the week and Dr. Bell began because of these conferences and bringing down these men and the right kind of preaching and the right kind of encouragement to take a stand when we need to take a stand the men began to talk to us about would we start a Bible college and praying with Dr. Bell and talking about the need. And, and uh, we began to see the Lord was leading us in that way. And, of course, now there's graduates over 22 different countries that's come out of the college at serving God. But Dr. Bell, as only he can say, Brother, you're going to start a college. You better have, he said, you better have the faith God's in it. Well, I do believe God was leading us. He said then, he said... Uh, you better have some facilities. And 
We didn't, but we still started. He said, you've got to have some finances. And sounds good. That's a good outline. He said, then you're going to need, he said, you've got to have some feeders, but you've got to have a faculty. I said, yes, sir. And little did he know that God was going to call three people off of his staff to come to Puerto Rico. His longtime secretary, Miss Miss Bora, and, and what a precious godly lady she was. And then, when Doctor, uh, when Brother Rod called me and asked me to share the service, Miss Marilyn Jacobson and Doctor Dudley are still there, and I asked them. At that time, we didn't know Miss Jacobson was going to be able to come. We're so glad she was able to be here. But I asked them. I said, "They've asked me to speak." And uh, I'd like for you, maybe if you'd like to write something, and I'd like to take some of my time and share it with, with them. I can't read it all, but I just want to read a couple of excerpts from Dr. Dudley, who is the dean of our college. Dr. Dudley went to Tabernacle Baptist Bible College all the way through. It took him 11 years, now, not because he wasn't smart, <laughs> but he lived in Elizabeth City, and he drove 100 miles back and forth. Take a, he was in the Coast Guard and had a family. He started out taking one class a week, then two, and then, but he consistently stayed there. And then in 1998, Dr. Bell asked him, I mean, I'm sorry, in, uh, two years left, what he had left, Dr. Bell asked him if he would come and serve on his staff in the mission department. He said, that, and doc, this is Brother Dudley's words, he promised me hard work and no pay. But he said, God taught me things during those two years, and in January of 1998, we surrendered to go to the West Indies, the ministry here at Calvary now. Dr. Bell called me into his office, and he asked me, he said, why do you want to leave? I looked at him and told him, it's your fault, Pastor. You leave, and you come back, and you talk about the need of the Caribbean and how you would go if you could. Well, since you can't, God is sending us. God has used many men to influence me, but had it not been for the ministry of Tabernacle Baptist Bible College, and I wouldn't be here today. Who knows how many people have been influenced in the last 19 years by our graduates who were influenced in part by me and who was influenced by the ministry of Pastor Bell and Tabernacle Baptist Church. They trained me to be, I was trained in a local church, in a local Bible college. There God burdened my heart for that type of ministry. God used Pastor Bell to burden me for the Caribbean and for training nationals to direct me in the ministry of Calvary Baptist Tabernacle and Calvary Baptist Bible College. Without his influence, who knows where I might be today. One of my fondest memories, in fact, is he cared about me as an individual. Here's a man who was an international figure, traveled many places, preached many times, yet I could go in his office and share my burdens, and he listened. He knew me and cared for me. We'd go to lunch together from time to time. Of course, Dr. Bell conveniently forgot his wallet several times. <laughs> the last semester I was in seminary, I taught a class on the book of Joshua on Wednesday night, and he took it 
and acted like he was learning and enjoyed it. He always made me feel that he appreciated me and what the Lord had done in our lives. He made me feel like I was one of his children, and he was well pleased with me. That was very important. Marilyn's here today, and she had written this before I left, but I, I want to read it with her permission, and because I think this just kind of displays that the influence that Dr. Bell had, and, and not only in, in my life and the islands, but how God used him preparing labors. Of course, it was directed to the family and her thoughts and wishes, and knowing that we can rejoice with Dr. Bell is rejoicing the in the presence of the Savior, but leaving behind many memories, and he'll be greatly missed. When I first learned, there was a teaching position opened at Tabernacle Baptist School over 30 years ago. I'd heard of the ministry of Dr. Rod Bell. A church pamphlet promised messages thundering from the pulpit. I wasn't exactly what that meant, but I signed up anyway without hearing Dr. Bell preach. For over 14 years, he was my pastor. I arrived in Virginia Beach as a single mother with three young children. He called my father, who was also a minister, and assured them that he would take care of me like a daughter. And he did just that. When the church men had an annual fish and wild game feast, he would come back and pick up my son and be a father for that evening to him. He did it every year for many years, and he never forgot him. During those years, Pastor Bell traveled extensively. When he came back and he talked for a need of a college, a Bible college in the Caribbean, he caught, it caught my attention. Having made mission trips to some of the islands earlier, I visualized people to see the need. When the Lord opened the door for me to actually move to Puerto Rico, I entered in his office thinking he would be excited by my decision. However, he immediately responded, Who got to you? I responded, You did, Pastor. And it was the beginning of a transition to Calvary Baptist Ministries in Carolina, Puerto Rico. I'm now in my 19th year helping train young men and women for Christian service who are not only from the Caribbean but also from as far as way as Northern Ireland, Kenya, Zimbabwe. The Lord is good. Pastor, Bell impact, Pastor Bell's impact on my life and the lives of my children is only one example. Far-reaching influence that he has had on thousands of lives. I miss his laughter. I'll miss his humor and his counsel. And you got to hear again, Miss Jacobson, his brethren, we have met to worship. But most of all, I'll miss the messages thundering from the pulpit. I want to read a couple other verses if I could. If you turn your Bible to Second First Timothy chapter chapter four, Second Timothy chapter four. I'm sorry. Paul said he didn't want to lose the joy of the ministry which was entrusted with him from the Lord and that of of the gospel which is only by grace. Now I've had the privilege to 
and it was a privilege. Travel with Dr. Bell so many places. Our last long trip together was to Zimbabwe. I'll be honest with you, I did not want to take him. This was just a few years ago. But he wanted to go, and he kept insisting, and, and uh, so we said we'd go, because things are very bad there. Mr. Lenore had, because my concern was if he got sick there, we'd have to bury him there. And that was a reality. But the Lord gave us liberty to take him. Sister Bell had every meal. She had already packed it and fixed it. All he had to do was put the water in. And I told him, I said, Rod, there, there wasn't a lot of food in the country. The national pastor was with. His wife baked bread, and we eat peanut butter and bread for the week and a half was there. But she fixed his meals. I didn't want him to eat there. Every meal. And uh, all he had to do was open up the little plastic bag. She had it fixed in, put the water in it, and drank it. And he made it. Thank God. I would not have come back if he hadn't come back with me. <laughs> but he finished his course, I believe, with joy. But Paul made this statement, and I'm just going to make a comment because I, I think it could be applicable to Dr. Bell. When he said in second chapter, Second Timothy chapter 4, I'm now ready to be offered the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. Dr. Beld fought a good fight. When Paul penned these words, I wonder if he, when you think about a fight, and he described the ministry that way, not in a negative way, in a reality way. When we describe the fight, if you've ever got in a ring, you know you're going to get some punches. Sometimes you're going to get hit hard. I wonder if the Apostle Paul might have had, looking back through his life and his body, he was stoned, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he suffered hunger. And there's one thing about I know Dr. Bell. He didn't matter where a door would open to go preach. He went and whatever it was. But I wonder if Paul thought about all those times, his body. He actually said, I bear, I bear in my body the marks. Dr. Bell suffered a lot in his body physically. But he kept going. And he gave his entire body, I think, to fighting that fight. He said, I have kept the faith, and we all know that Dr. Bell was a great contender of the faith. He wasn't a compromiser. And the little part we had earlier about Dr. Paisley and him preaching there. and Then Paul said, and, and you know it's amazing how Paul, de describing the ministry in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, using athletes, he he used two. One was a runner and the other was a boxer. And you know, you've got to be tempered and you've got to be willing to take the licks. But I, I had the privilege in the last few years of knowing Dr. Bell. I think a little more personal, maybe some had, and I'm so grateful for that. Dr. Bell, always, I'm, he did not have a bitter spirit. He always had a loving spirit. And I appreciate the opportunity that God allowed me to not only enjoy his friendship and his fellowship, but have fun with him.
And I, I thank the family for allowing us to have a part of him because he has been a great encourager and a blessing to my life and so many down through the years in the islands. And again, I say to the family, thank you so much for sharing your dad and your husband with us. God bless you, Mr. Bell. All right, if you'll take your hymnal, please. If we could have the house lights up so we could see the hymn books, please. If you'll stand with me, 375 in your hymnal. 375, saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now ransom from sin and a new work is done. We'll sing that first and last stanza, hymn number 375.
my Savior first of all. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know I shall know and redeemed by his side I shall stand I shall know him I shall know him by the print of the nails to begin the stories that we could share of Dr. Bell when asked to say a word in this very special event I began to think of all the all the experiences that God had given us together and all the, the thousands of the miles that we have traveled together and the things that the Lord has privileged me to be involved in uh, in Dr. Bell's ministry I thought of Winston Churchill, who was invited to speak someplace, uh, I don't know where, and he insisted on knowing how much time he had. And uh, they couldn't tell him. And he said, I must know. They said, why is it so important? He said, because if I have an hour, I'm ready now. But if I only have five minutes, I'll need a month to prepare. <laughs> to think of all the things that could be shared at this event. Uh, for Dr. Bell. What a blessing. I think long before it was popular, this concept of mentoring the younger men, Dr. Bell, he invited me to join the board of the Fundamental Baptist Fellowship when I was 39 years old. Two years later, Dr. Bob Jr., who had, through Dr. bestowed honor on me, which I did not deserve, but at the same time I think he knew it also bestowed great responsibility. And within five years of serving with Dr. Bell in the Fundamental Baptist Fellowship, I don't know that anyone has ever heard this. He put his arm around me one time and said, John, I want you to... I had no answer. I didn't know that was going to take a lot of years. But he poured his life into me. It was sort of a Paul Timothy experience. But I think it was more of an Elijah, Elisha experience. It was my privilege for those many years to, to pour water on the hands of Elijah. To help him in so many ways. Oh my, the experiences <laughs> that come to my mind. The messages, the power. I saw him as a man who treated everyone as a friend. And people responded to him 
in ways for things that I would have been afraid ever to say. <laughs> Forgive me, Lenore, I have to tell this one. In a restaurant with a surly waitress. Now, what do you want? Popping that gum. And he made his order, and she came back, and I know she was under stress and pressure. And when she tossed that plate down, his eggs nearly slid off the plate. And she said, hey, you want anything else? He said, well, I've been traveling and I'm tired. And if you wouldn't mind, just mess up your hair and sit here and nag me while I'm eating. I'm a little homesick. <laughs> and he got her laughing. And before you know it, she was sharing her soul with him. And he ministered to her as though he'd been her pastor for 20 years. Over and over and over, I saw him win people over. If Rod Bell was anything, he was a soul winner. In places that you, you would never imagine. And my mind is just so flooded. This, this reminds me of Jim Singleton's funeral. There were five men lined up on that platform to say things. And the first one got up, and, and, and all of them preached. And when the first one got done preaching, and he sat down, and the next fellow got up, he said, well, you're not going to believe this. But brother so-and-so just preached from my text. <laughs> and he found something else to preach on. And then the next fellow got up, and he said, I'm not making this up. But when the first fellow got done, I picked another text. And then the second fellow preached on it. And all down the line they went. And Dr. Bell was last. And he got up and he said, well, just like every one of them, you're not going to believe this. But every text I picked out, the next guy got up and preached on it. He said, so let's turn over to the maps and shut her down. <laughs> you can hear him saying that. Oh, my. He was so gracious. He was so generous. He was so kind. We had our, not battles with each other, but we fought battles together. And I, I, was, I was happy to be the Jonathan to his David in those battles. When I met Dr. Bell, he befriended me. And because he befriended me, he brought me into his friendships with others. And, and I sat in on the, the clash of the titans, I mean, when, when we were in some of those meetings. Dr. Bumpus, Dr. Singleton. Dr. Paisley and Dr. Bob Jr. I, I felt like the kid in the meetings. I was a pastor. All of them were pastors. But they brought me into their circle. And it wasn't long before Dr. Bell had persuaded Dr. Paisley to invite me to the Easter conference. And I went over there and, and marveled to be included in those experiences with those men. To hear them pray, I, I felt like my prayers were the prayers of a child as they cried out to God 
sobbing, raising their voices. We would go places, and I would be certain that we would be thrown out as rowdy as they would get. But they were honored and respected. Dr. Paisley. Dr. Dr. Brian Green is such a refined and polished Englishman. He and I had a conversation one day on the men for whom we served as seconds. And I said, you know, this is an interesting thing to observe. And he said, yes, it is. He said, I, I see your relationship with Dr. Bell, and it reminds me of my relationship with Dr. Paisley. And that's exactly what I had noticed. And I said, you know, how, how would God take men with these personalities and put them together? And Dr. Green said, as only he could say, I am the silver trumpet, and he is the ram's horn. <laughs> like that. Now, I don't claim to be the silver trumpet, but Dr. Bell was certainly the, the ram's horn. He sounded out the truth. I loved him. I'll miss him. Along the way that he shared with me <clears throat> will be constant reminders to me of his love. As the president of the Fundamental Baptist Fellowship, we hosted the annual fellowship at our church, and it was my privilege to present that sword to him, the cutting edge. And when I became the president of the Fundamental Baptist Fellowship, at his own expense, he got me one, had it framed, and it hangs in my office. Constant reminder of what our responsibility is with this book. And therefore, we're to be faithful. I'm wearing a pair of cufflinks that Dr. Bell bought for me when we were um, in uh, the Dominican Republic. We had, the night before, been in a meeting that was physically painful. It lasted so long. Those of us who were sitting on the platform, I, we, I really, we were so tired. We were, we were physically in pain by the time I was, by the time that meeting was over. day we were out uh, doing a little shopping and, and he saw these cufflinks in a shop there and he bought them. And I remember there was a time when, when he gave me a, a set of solid gold cufflinks that were made from two British Margaret Thatcher had given them to Ian Paisley and Ian Paisley had given them to Dr. Bob Jr. And Dr. Bob Jr. had given them to Rod. Bell gave them to me. I wore them once. I, w I was embarrassed to wear them in public. I really was. A lot of his memorabilia were collected, and those cufflinks are now back where they belong in his collection. The little things. He would read a book that he enjoyed and he'd get me a copy or give me his. Every time I'd see him, he had a little something for him. He'd get little gifts for, for my dear wife when she got so sick. And 
just I'm sure that all of you have been the recipients of those many, many acts of kindness and love that he showed. And there were times when Dr. Bell was attacked for his stand and for his humanness. He was never ashamed of the fact that he was a human being. And I thank God for that. Because I think sometimes some of us are so pretentious that we forget the fact that God loved us where we were. And he loves us where we are. And he'll take us where he needs for us to be. And it will all be changed in a moment. And I learned from watching Dr. Bell and from watching his attackers and from standing with him that often men who attack another man for his humanness do so in the arrogance with which they deny their own. He was a man. He was God's man. And he was God's messenger. He loved preachers. And that's why he reached out to me. And I am thankful to God that I was able to walk with him. The Fundamental Baptist Fellowship and all of its preachers. We thank God for Ron Bell, for his heritage. And Lord, we thank God for you and to all of the family. Tim, we'll miss him too. God bless you all. I speak as a preacher's son, as the grandson of a preacher. You are preacher's children and preacher's grandchildren, and you are preacher's wife. All these wonderful portraits we have been given of your husband, father, and grandfather described a man of proportions that are really indescribable. But we have each of us in this room little pieces of the picture and they've been put together a little bit. We've seen a little more of the complete man, a great man of God. But coming from a ministry home, you knew him in different ways than you've heard described. I should say additional word in ways that you've heard described. The very things that made him the useful and giant-sized voice for God are the same things that sometimes irritated you at home. I know. I've been there. There's, you could tell your own stories, but maybe that's for another funeral. I don't know. But I want to say we love you. We all love you. And we all appreciate what you put up with. Really, literally, put up with. So that this man's ministry could go where it has gone and bless so many, like all of us 
in this room today. Thank you. Thank you, Lenore, for being like a sister to my wife, Beneth. She loves you. You've prayed together. You've cried together. I wanted to say you've had husbands together, but that's not... It almost came out. <laughs> Together you have had husbands who have <laughs> caused you a lot of pain without meaning to. And I'm, we're sorry. <laughs> Before I have a few bullet points, and believe me, they are bullet points, and I'm going to read them in the interest of time, lest I should get too carried away and emotional and stray. I'm going to ask Dr. David Ennis, if he will, to come up here in just a minute. Dr. Ennis is representing the Board of Trustees at Bob Jones University. They're having a board meeting yesterday and today, and they commissioned him if the if the opportunity arose to come and say a word in behalf of the board, which used to be his board, and uh, Dr. Charlie Britz, also a member here tonight, today, and uh, I would like him to take two minutes of my time, and he can say more in two minutes than I can say in 20, and so he would like to bring greetings and uh, a word of appreciation from the Board of Trustees at the University. The Board of Trustees requested that I might represent them to you today and just thank you, Lenore, and the family for the tremendous contribution that he has made in the life of the university, serving on the Board of Trustees for over 20 years, and many of those years serving on the Executive Committee and bearing a heavy load in so doing. And this just adds to the tens of thousands of lives that have been touched through his life and ministry. We are extremely grateful to the family and to Dr. Bell for the contribution that you've made to the ministry, the ongoing ministry of the university, and we're excited that it still has a great future. So the investment will go on and on. May the Lord bless you and thank you. So much of Dr. Bell's life and Lenore's life were inextricably tied in one way or the other since 1957 to the university and to my wife and me where we were students together with them and in ministry um, opportunities down through the pathway of life. Um, we've gathered this afternoon really to say farewell to a noble and uh, guileless and ransomed servant of the Lord who has called him to come and dine with him. Uh, may I share in bullet points and sound bites some of the most apparent things about Rod Bell's life that I admired and remembered about him. Loyalty to Jesus Christ and to the scriptures. For never getting over being saved, his grateful heart for his Redeemer was constantly spilling out in conversation, prayer, and preaching. Loyalty to family, friends, and to the faculty of his alma mater. His good humor. We've heard bits and pieces of that, and there's so much more that each of you have in your own store bank of memory. His larger-than-life personality. We've heard that term to describe him already. 
his style. He was no ordinary, predictable, cookie-cutter kind of preacher. And that made him unforgettable as a servant of God. He was comfortable in his own skin. He never bowed in conformity to the expectations of others. He never postured, never played preacher. You know what that looks like. Whether he was wearing bib overalls or a three-piece preacher's suit, he was the same Rod Bell. High drama surrounded him. He was always in a crisis or just getting out of one. His multidimensional, complex, yet simple, childlike personality. He was cultured and well-read, but in a West Virginia sort of way. <laughs> he was never too proud to skim the cream off the brain of every man he ever met. That was a lesson he learned from sitting under the preaching of Bob Jones Sr. during his student days. When he got his calling to preach, he put his hand to the plow and never looked back. Thank God for preachers like that. Preaching was his passion. On the street corner, in jails, pulpits, small and big, he experienced the power of the foolishness of preaching. Preachers were his best friends. He hung out with us. He eagerly learned from the preaching styles and hermeneutic that was different from his. He respected diversity within Christ's body, the church. Getting the work of the ministry done without compromise was what mattered to him and those who were doing it differently from him, but without compromise, were his friends. And praise God for that. That's the kind of unity of the faith that Christ wants for his pride. Those of us who admired and loved him profited by his ministry and respected his unique gifts. As every preacher should, he morphed in his preaching as the years went by. He never apologized for truth, but he was always quick to repent for his faults, his stumblings, his sins. Because of that, we admired and trusted him. He was an earthly pot like the rest of us. And he always was longing for more filling of the Spirit, just like we all should. The evidence of the, divine of the divine treasure in his vessel of clay was unmistakable. I would like to read these few verses, first nine verses, in closing from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You all know the verses well. We know that if our, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands in the heavens. For in this we groan, 
earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we should not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for this selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the ministry, the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Where is Rod Bell? Rod Bell. His place at your table is empty. His companion for all of these years of life is no longer at his side. Where is Rodwell? I like the way it is put in verse 8 that we just read. We're confident, I say. Willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Where is Rod Bell? He's away from his body. That's what it says. We can't fathom that. We've never been there. We've never done that. It waits for us yet. Okay. We'll know what he knows about being without our body one day. How hard it is to conceive that our earthly house and we should be separated. But Rod doesn't need it now. He doesn't care. It will be sown in corruption and it's going to be raised in incorruption. The plant that rises above the soil does not resemble the seed that went into the ground. And so his resurrected body will be unlike his earthly body in its composition. Soon, tomorrow, in Greenville, his body will be sown a natural body. It will be raised one day a supernatural body. It will be sown in weakness. It will be raised in strength and power. Rod Bell, according to this passage we just read, has been swallowed up of life. That's not morbid. That's not discouraging. That's reason for shouting. He's been swallowed up of life. It's right there in verse 4. We that are in this tabernacle, the groan being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. He wasn't swallowed up in death. The dust of earth condition that was his and is ours was swallowed up of life. He was gulped up by life. 
when he breathed his last breath in this world. What hope that is. What calls for exaltation and praise to God, the God of life, who swallowed him up into eternal life. And lastly, Rod Bell is at home with the Lord. Verse 8, away from his earthly body and present with the Lord. It's not that he wasn't already present with the Lord. From the time he was redeemed, he had been presently walking with the Lord day by day by day. So when he walked into heaven, the Lord was no stranger to him. How many people calling themselves believers sit in our churches every day, every Sunday, every time the Bible is preached, and have never been present with the Lord or seldom in their life present with the Lord? doesn't mean they're not saved. But he's been a stranger to them here. He's been a stranger to them here. He, they've not talked with him here. They've not heard his voice here. And they've been far walking their own way and suddenly they're with the Lord. Can you imagine how strange it would be for those people to, to suddenly appear in his very presence by his re- redeeming grace? But Rod Bell was present with the Lord here. Now he's present with Him in a more complete, in the visible way. We all understand that. And we rejoice that He's present there. But while Rod Bell was here, he knew what his business was. And he never swerved from it. Therefore, Again from this chapter. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now then, because of that newness, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That was the new purpose for his life from the time of his conversion until the hour he breathed his last here. He beseeched people everywhere he went to be reconciled to God, brought back to God from their estrangement caused by sin that separated them from God. There may be some in this room that are still looking for your purpose in life. Though you are a believer, you are a new creature in Christ. You try to live honorably. You serve your families well. You do what you're supposed to do. Your duty is important to you and all of these things. But yet you say, why am I on this planet? Well, when we understand what the Scripture tells us so simply, we're here to be ambassadors, to beseech people to be reconciled to God. And so, today... As we close our time of memorial to this great saint of God who never forgot his purpose in this world and with the power of the Holy Spirit beseeched people to be reconciled to God.
He is already meeting people on those golden streets who heeded His beseeching and came to the Savior. And for that reason, His life was not in vain in the Lord. A few days ago, I was called to the hospital to meet with the doctors. And uh, at first, whenever we had taken Dad, we anticipated that we would be bringing him home. In the process of those days, Dad had a lot of confusion due to medication, things they were trying to do to calm him down. But through those moments, there were some very precious times where he was very lucid and very, very rod bell and very direct. And I will not forget on several occasions whenever Dad looked at me and pointed his bony finger, which kind of went like that. And he said, I'm going home. And I looked at him back and I said, Dad, it's all right. It's all right. I said, Monday, we're gonna, the doctors are going to talk to us about a plan. And we'll see about you going home. And I said, but it's going to be a little while. And Dad looked back at me with his pointed finger again and he said, On whose authority? So I was standing there thinking, what do I tell my dad now? And so I said, Dad, you don't understand. Me tell Dad that. You don't understand. The doctor said, you're, you're going to get better, and by Monday we'll have a better plan. And he looked up at me, he raised up and pointed that finger, and he said, Pastor? I said, yes, sir. I'm going home before Monday. I'm going to be with Jesus. And I said, okay, Dad. I don't know when you're going to be with the Lord. But if He wants to call you home by Monday, that's fine with me. But I'm trying to tell you, you need to just calm down. And He looked at me and He said, Open the gates! We've had an eventful few days. He looked at Tim one time and said, Can we hurry this up? Open the gates. I'm ready to start preaching. I have many things that my dad wrote. Dad loved to write in his own way. And if you ever got his signature, that in itself was a piece of art. But this is one little book that he's written all kinds of little treasures in, and I just want to share a few with you today. 
and we're going to bring some things to a close. I want you to know that everything that we have done has been exactly as he requested it. So if you wondered why this was a certain way or whatever, this blanket that is on this cedar casket, he wanted a cedar casket because cedar trees were all around his home place. And that reminded him of West Virginia. This blanket represents our family crest and our clan because we are officially from Ireland. And he wanted everyone to know that. And uh, he did a lot of research on that because he wanted to make sure people knew of our heritage and what he shared with us about that is very precious. I have much that I would like to share with you, but this is one thing that I came across that he wrote. Please pardon me as I read it to you, but it's entitled The Last Lap of the Race of Life. The last lap of the race of life is resting, traveling, vacationing for many Christians these are all the world's substitutes for men. It's the way selfish men reward themselves for their long years of labor. What a strange goal for the Christian to set for himself on his last lap. What a strange way to coast across the finish line by playing and puttering the last quarter mile of the race. What a tragic way to finish the last lap before entering the presence of the King of Kings who finished his race so differently. May our last breath be one of exuberance and joy as we cross the finish line. God help us to finish strong in the Lord. Keep pressing on, my family. Keep pressing on. I'm just finishing my last lap. May I tell you something? There's coming a day. The scriptures tell us let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And he's gone to prepare a place for us. Why? That where he is, we shall be also. And then the most wonderful little phrase, and comfort one another with these words. Folks, my dad has said this many times at funerals, and I'm going to say it today. Rod Bell is not there. That's a treasure chest. And the King of Kings is going to come back for his treasure one day. But right now, Rod Bell is not there. He is with him. He's present with the Lord. Because absent from the body is present with the Lord. And he said that to me several times in the hospital as well. So I want you to know, he's not here. He's with the King of Kings. 
He is walking all over the streets of glory. And as was mentioned, He has met people that He has led to the Lord or had part in seeing them come to Christ. His journey was not in vain. He was not a perfect man. He was a hillbilly that was saved by the grace of God. And God Almighty got a hold of him and shook him up. And from the moment that he got saved, he never got over the wonder of who Jesus was and from where he brought him. Right out on that table in the lobby is a little picture of a pig in a pen. And my dad wanted that picture out there and presented because he said, I want everyone to know that's where I was when he reached down and he saved me. So, that's where he was, folks. And Bill Tate knocked on his door. And Bill Tate shared the gospel of Christ with him. And Rod Bell was drawn by the Holy Spirit of God. And Rod Bell went to his knees and cried out to the Savior. And he called on him. And the Bible says, call upon me. He called upon him. And he called on him. And Jesus Christ came into his life. The moment that he turned from his ways. That's repentance, you see. And you all know this. You joy in this, right? But if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, the greatest gift, the greatest gift that you'll ever receive is the gift of salvation. The greatest wonder that you will ever, ever see or know on this side is the wonder of a personal love relationship with our Creator God. Folks, God Almighty stepped out on nothing. He created it out of nothing. And He spoke the world into existence. And He gave His only Son, His only begotten Son, a ransom for our sins. All we have to do is refuse our way, turn to Him, and live. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior today, If you have gotten caught up in religion, may I compel you, may I beg you, as the Holy Spirit has been working in this place today, if the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to a place of repentance right now, if you do not know Him, now there's a difference in going to church and knowing Him. There's a difference of being religious and knowing Him. There's a difference of having a doctor's degree and knowing Him. There's a difference of being a preacher's kid and knowing Him. There's a difference of being a deacon's kid and knowing Him. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you know. It doesn't matter where you've come from. But there has to be a time and a place whenever you are confronted with the reality that I am a sinner, lost, and I'm needing a Savior. Do you know Him? Because if you know Him, this is not the end. God prepared our family for this home going. And my dad was ministering to me and I didn't even realize it till it was over. And he kept saying, but pastor, but pastor. And I said, dad, it's okay. No. He'd get my hand. No. I'm going home. Can you say that with great assurance that whenever you take your last breath, 
that absent from the body is present with the Lord? Are you on your last lap? Maybe you are and you don't even know it. But I'm going to tell you something. I learned from the faithfulness of a father, and I can speak for my brother and my dear sister, we learned what faithfulness was. We learned what the love for Christ was all about and a passion for Christ. We learned what forgiveness was. Oh, how many people will carry things to their grave where they will hold on to it in bitterness and not have real forgiveness. I thank God that whenever my dad went through trying times that he went to the Scriptures, he said, Son, always get the facts and then faith it. Get the facts and then faith it. He said, if you'll get the facts and then you faith it, that's all you need. And then you recognize if you have to stand alone, you stand alone. We learn to stand alone sometimes. But we're not by ourselves. <laughs> we're not by ourselves today. Do you know that? My dad has joined a cloud of great witnesses. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine what that must have been like? And can you imagine today he's probably saying, Okay, Rod Jr., get this over with. It's biblical to stone people, isn't it? Dad taught us faith. He taught us the importance of family. He taught us the importance of friendship. You're friends. You've been faithful. And we're looking unto Jesus. My mother has been faithful. We honor you, Mom. For all the times <laughs> that you had to stuff it in another bag and get it pressed and everything. Why in the world you ever ironed it all off and put it in a bag? I don't understand. But she did. And sometimes he didn't know if he was coming or going. But he went. There were times he came back, he didn't even know where he had been. But he was there. My dad was a modern-day Paul. He literally did give his life up. And I'm so grateful for that. He taught me about these stones, by the way. Do y'all have an Ebenezer? My parents have little stones from all over the place. You know where this one's from? This one is from a wonderful place in Togo, West Africa where we're going to have part in building a university for the glory of God. <laughs> impact. That's there. Because of impact and investment. Oh, sacrifice? We've not paid any sacrifice. We've not had sacrifice. We've all learned what real investment is. Because, see... 
none of us could ever, ever really sacrifice, could we? Jesus Christ made the ultimate sacrifice. How could we ever consider anything that we would ever do as sacrifice? We must learn to be investors. And we must learn to give our lives as that vapor, that poured out offering before the Lord as Paul challenged the church. Pour yourself out. Be used up for Him. Invest in another generation for the glory of God. And be ready because the King is coming. Be ready. The King is coming. His hand is at the door. He's ready to start to touch them up. Folks, He's at the door. Be ready. The trumpet is going to sound. Be ready. But until then, our hearts will go on singing. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet, will you be there? Do you know Him? Say amen. amen. You planning on seeing Him in the air? Or listen, folks, whether it's there, my dad would say to people whenever he'd leave them, it's either here, there, or in the air. Amen. And do you know something? We don't have any assurance tomorrow. Wouldn't it be wonderful as we were on our way to go bury him that the Lord would just go ahead and interrupt the whole service. It's all up to him. And that's what we want. We want God to be glorified. And I'm here just to thank you for being a friend. And thank you, men. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Bob. Yeah. That was easy. Don Q. Yep. First, second, and third John on the platform here. <laughs> pastors, would you stand, please? I want to see the pastors that are represented here, please, today. A lot of things changed because there was a storm coming up upon us, and it was really something... I said they should have named it after my father. But thank you for being here, gentlemen. I appreciate you. And I thank you for showing your respect and your honor for my father. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, there's a lot of people here, as I opened up and said, that would call my dad pop or dad or mom and, uh, and, and mom to mom and Grammy and all kinds. We, we have a big family. It's all over. I have Facebook on the other day. I thought they were going to name it Bell Book because we just were blowing up that thing. And it was such a blessing because we were getting contacts and calls... Through all over the place, India and the Philippines and West Indies, just all over the place in Africa, and we're just immensely grateful for, for that. There's, in closing, as I mentioned to you, every time that we would leave from a, a homecoming or we would have a special event, my dad would want us to sing "God Be With You" till we meet again. And whenever we sent off another missionary or pastor, we always sent them off that way. And you may be wondering why there's a Kleenexes or napkins at the end of your pew. If you don't have a hanky, you're going to need one. So get one of those and pass it down because we're going to do this the old-fashioned way in just a minute. But you, Now, see, I got a bandana because that more was appropriate for my father. I, I wanted a bandana. 
But whatever you need to have, if you don't have a handkerchief, there's, there are some right on the end of every pew, and you can pass them down. But we're going to need that. And then we're going to do a send-off the old-fashioned way whenever we sing this song. But there's just a few words that Dad has that he wants to say to us, and then we're going to close with God be with you till we meet again. Okay? The Spirit comforts the believer by revealing just the nearness of the glory to come. He says, absent from the body is present with the Lord. And as we read the Word of God, heaven is near at hand. It is only a step out of a poor, sinful sorrow stricken world into the rest that remains to the children of God. He shows us his uh, death is only a step away. He shows us that it's only a moment, the twinkling of an eye, and that we are absent from the body and present with the Lord. And then will the day of our mourning be ended. And then we'll sin. We'll grieve no more. Then affliction will wound no more. Then sorrow will depress no more. And God will hide Himself no more. Until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, the Spirit of God will continue to show me that it's just a step away. And I thought of this this week. God showed me some things in my own heart and life. He showed me that we're in a spiritual warfare. That there is a But He also showed me greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. And he also spoke to my heart, out of decision, away from being out of the ministry. In other words, if you make the wrong decision, it's just that quick you can ruin 45 years. So you better stay close to me. And it won't be long till you shall see Jesus and it'll all be worth it all then. There will be the absence of evil, the presence of good, when we see Him. They, those who have come out of the great tribulation, they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, and shall take their stand before the throne, and shall serve Him day and night in the temple. And He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall, shall the sun, uh, uh, sun light on them, nor any uh, heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into the living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And oh, what a blessed, blessed thought that the blessed hope, the glory of God is just a, a, a glimpse away, one step away. It will be worth it all when we see Him. And the Spirit of God makes that so real. What a blessed hope, perhaps today. Jesus will come, and we'll drop this old robe of flesh and rise, and cease the everlasting prize, and shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. So, dearly beloved, let us comfort one another with these words. Let the Holy Spirit comfort our heart with the blessed truth of the second coming. It could be today. When you're going through the heartaches, you're going through the trials, you're going through the dark hours, 
You're going through the night hours. You're going through uh, uh, difficult uh, financial problems or, or, or physical problems. Uh, there is a bomb in Gilead. And my friends, He can heal the sin-sick soul. You, you come to Jesus and trust Him. Get to know Him. And let the Spirit of God comfort you as you walk day by day in His fullness and in His power. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.
people said? Yes. Amen. We have, as my dad would say it, a mess of food, okay? And we have plenty for everyone. We have a full meal prepared, okay? So please come over. It's, it's a little wet. We're going to be in the school gymnasium. But we want you all to come over there. So if your dues going to, no, we will not take any other pictures. If your dues going to go flat, make sure you protect yourself, okay? But uh, we want you to come over there. We're, the family will be over there. But we want you to join us over there. And then tomorrow at 1.30, we will have the graveside in Greenville. Uh, and they have told us right now the weather looks like it's going to cooperate. So, and we expect a very large gathering there. Um, so if you're able to be there, you're more than welcome. We want you to come. We have shared my father over the years, and this is not just about us. It's about everyone that has had the joy of being impacted, but also, as we said, all for God's glory. So would you come over and join us? Let's have a word of prayer as we close our service, okay? Heavenly Father, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. We are here with tremendous thanksgiving. We thank you for the life of my Father, and we thank you for his love for thee. We thank you for saving an old-fashioned hillbilly with very little education, but God, you got a hold of him, and he pursued you. He wasn't perfect, but he had a passion for you, and you ministered to him and through him, you brought him through tremendous trials, just an old dirt pot that you chose to use for your glory. Thank you for how you fashioned him. Thank you for how you've mentored him. Thank you for how you put your message within him and how he went out delivering it. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that this is not the end, but it's so long we'll see you in the morning. Thank you for the blessed assurance. Oh, how we are listening for the trumpet. And we long to be with thee. Oh, you're so precious. We adore you, Lord. Thank you, presence, for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And thank you for his power. Thank you for the wonderful word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that illuminates truth and empowers us each to walk it and to grow and to share it with another generation. May we be found faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.